When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast, uh, as is the case just about every week. Uh, it is me, your host, Matt Collins, and uh, I am joined once again by Brian Joyner, who uh, last weekend not only got to live the misery with the rest of us vis-a-vis the Red Sox horrible weekend against the Yankees, but he also got to live in person through um, just a slog of a game. Uh, at Gillette for the Patriots. So, uh, Brian, how are you? How are you recovering from just a atrocious weekend? Well, fortunately, going into the Patriots game, um, one might say I was well lubricated to ex- <laughs> to be able to survive such a miserable experience. And I mean, on the drive up, we were listening to the game. And literally the second we were pulling into our hotel was the Stanton uh, Homer. Um, So the game, it's, as I said, my brother brought his friend from Serbia who had never been to an American football game. And I told him right when we got in, the worst part will be the game. And that was before I saw the game. So I was right about that. Uh, The rest was great, but not the best weekend. No, no, it does not seem like that. And um we will uh we'll let people go to Pat's pulpit uh for the Patriots talk, um, because I have not much else to say about that game that I barely watched. Uh but I do feel like it is probably prudent to relive some of the Red Sox weekend, um, as I'm pretty much positive you know if you're listening to this, uh Red Sox got swept by the Yankees at home over the weekend. Um we talked about it last week. Uh, we've been talking about it a little bit leading up to the series. The way things shook out, they just had to not get swept and everything would be good. They'd have pretty much a no... Uh, they'd have no trouble making it to the wildcard game as long as they took one of those games. Um, they did not take one of those games. 
uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later. They still have a pretty decent road uh, to the wild card game, but they made things much harder on themselves, and they put us through a lot of misery. And I just wanted to go through some of the stuff from that weekend. Um, some of it just venting, some of it maybe some implications for uh, the rest of the season um, and maybe beyond. And uh, we'll start with the first game. Um, really, the story there to me was. Nathan Avaldi. Nathan Avaldi has been obviously their best starting pitcher all season. Um, huge matchup against Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole looked very much like himself for most of the game. Uh, Nate Avaldi very much did not. His secondaries were awful. The Yankees were on everything. He did not record a single strikeout the his whole start. I believe that's the first time in his career that's happened. Um, didn't make it out of the third. Gave up seven innings. Walked two. Um, Obviously, there's been a lot of talk, including here. We talked about it a little bit the last couple of weeks about a potential wild card game start in Avaldi versus Chris Sale, and um, Avaldi had been sort of taking that lead um, with Sale kind of looking a little bit shakier since his return from the COVID list. Um, does this start where Avaldi just got hit around and the Yankees clearly weren't fooled by anything? Is that any extra concern for a potential wild card game start? And does it does it move the needle um, in terms of? how you're thinking about that decision between him and sale. If the, obviously if they get a chance to make that decision, which is no guarantee. Well, obviously it does not help them get in a position to make the decision. I'm inclined to just intellectually, I'm inclined to just say still let him rip. I mean, he had been so good against the Yankees and then just, it all went to poop and it's just hard to feel good about anything right now. And um, I just don't know. I think it's going to be, we'll see. I, th- I believe you did the math and they have to win four games um, to clinch a tie and five games to be in no matter what. I think that's what you said, but yeah, that's right. I don't know. I'm not planning more than a day ahead at this point anymore. Yeah, I mean that's definitely that's definitely what makes the most sense. Um, I will say in Avaldi's favor, um, a couple of points. The first is just it was just a weird start. Avaldi um, has kind of been a different guy than what we've gotten used to over the last um, probably over the second half. Um, especially, he's been more of a strikeout pitcher than he's been over his career, and it hasn't really been because of the fastball. Um, he's been doing a good job of mixing all of his secondaries. He's a five-pitch pitcher when he's at his best, and uh, being able to throw any of those at any count um, just keeps everybody off balance. But on Friday, he his splitter, um, he threw a couple of really bad ones the first inning, clearly had no feel for it, um, only threw one the rest of the way. His curveball was awful all, all night, so... When he's when he doesn't have two of his secondaries, I mean, it's just it's just clearly not going to work, especially against the lineup like the Yankees. Um, we just haven't seen that happen, and I don't. I mean, I don't think that's something that you should like expect from Valdi going forward. Him just not having a secondary. So that just happens sometimes to pitchers. Um, and the other good thing is he has not really strung together two bad outings in a row. Um, he hasn't been the kind of guy this year that's going to let one bad outing. Um, trip him up. I think he's had like twice the season he's allowed at least three runs and two consecutive starts. So um, it was obviously a bad night. Um, it 
was not fun to watch. It started off what was a big sweep. All of those things are true. Um, but as far as going forward, I don't think it really changes much for me. And I still think, as we kind of talked about last week, I still think it's if they get the chance to make that decision, which again, I think is probably far-fetched at this point. But if they did get that chance, I think it comes down more to Sale than Evaldi. I think Evaldi kind of is what he is. And they have at least one um, more start from Sale. And I guess should mention like we do every week uh this is being recorded tuesday afternoon so we haven't seen tuesday night game, tuesday night's game yet and sale is scheduled to make that start so he he'll make that start he could make one more before the end of the season as well on the last day of the season so um but if he starts well tonight and then they get to clinch it i think that could swing it but um as far as Valdi goes it was uh, to me it was just it was just a bad night and it happens yeah i'm way more worried about what happens if anybody but either of those guys has to pitch in that game i i i don't think that's really a possibility just because um i mean the of all these starts of all these scheduled to start on wednesday um and they really I, there shouldn't be a scenario where he's going to pitch again i guess he could pitch out of the bullpen in that last game of the season if they really need it um, or if they had a tiebreaker on Monday, he would start that game, and then obviously if they won, he wouldn't be. Neither of them would be available for the wild card game. So I guess there are some scenarios, but more than likely, they'll at least have Evaldi fully rested, um, which makes me feel at least a little bit better about a potential wild card game. Oh, I mean it all though, like ever at any point in the game. Um, wait, what? Sorry, you lost me. What I mean is that. Sale, if Sale and Evaldi are both available for the game, if they don't pitch all nine innings, the fact that somebody else is going to have to pitch, maybe. That's what concerns me more than anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that um, that is a that is a fair concern. We're going to get to the to the bullpen um, in a minute because that was really the disaster of the series. And Friday night was just kind of your typical run-of-the-mill loss i think they were they fell behind early and they mounted a little bit of a comeback but it never really felt like they were back in the game it was just one of those days the other two games were uh much more frustrating where they blew late leads but before we get to the bullpen i think it's sort of flown under the radar that the offense was just not good this entire series i mean it's one thing to get it's one thing to get shut down by garrett cole everybody gets shut down by garrett cole he's the second best pitcher on planet earth and i mean that's just how it works um, but then they're facing, I mean, Nestor Cortez and Jordan Montgomery are fine pitchers. They're going to be in uh, pretty much everyone's rotation in there. They're not, they're certainly not guys that you expect to beat up on, but at the same time, you expect to get something going from your offense. The best hitters in the Red Sox order, um, they've been really hot and cold all season. And we've seen that when they aren't hitting, there's not much else that can be done in Bogarts, Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, and Schwarber, um, they went nine for 41 over the course of the series. Um, they just were a non-factor. I mean, I think to me that was that was the big reason why they lost. They got swept. Um, it was why the bullpen was in a position to blow those games. And, I mean, I think that's – I don't know if it would – I would say that's my biggest concern, but it does, it does worry me that these – their core hitters – have gone so cold and it seems like when one goes cold they all go cold at the same time and it does kind of concern me uh that that could pretty easily happen in a wild card game playoff series situation that is it's a 
for a team built around their lineup, it's not. It has not uh, always looked very good. Yeah, I wrote a column last week about how the hitters would carry them, and they did the opposite of that. I mean, they proved it in negative. Though I will say, especially with Saturday's game, if Aaron Judge isn't forty feet tall, maybe Bobby Dahlbeck gets a home run, and everything's different um, after that. But yeah, I mean, it's the core hitters have to hit if this team going to win and that is something that happened in every Red Sox World Series winning run is that the guys were just on one no more so than Poppy in 2013 but it's uh look we're feeling down but we do have they have a really meaty slate of games this week and with the Blue Jays playing the Yankees maybe this will be get right for the offense and they can come into hopefully a wild card game that they're in with the bats having woken up. Um, but yeah, that was just a, it's just a terrible weekend, terrible weekend all around. Yeah. I mean, to your point about, um, about the opponents and getting it back on track. I mean, that's especially the Orioles. I mean, the, the Orioles lineup I think is better than, People realize it's it's not a good lineup outside of Cedric Mullins. They don't really have a ton of like star level talent, but they have a lot of like league average to decently above average hitters in that lineup. But they I mean their pitching is just atrocious, and um, they're facing three lefties uh, this week against the Orioles, who all have essentially the same pitch mix um so if that i mean if that's not an opportunity to get back on track i don't know what it is especially for guys like pogarts and uh martinez who should really be teeing off on these lefties um yeah so we, we hinted at the bullpen a little bit um especially in those last two games i mean the bullpen just did not come through and there were some extenuating circumstances uh between manager decisions and umpiring and defense and we'll get we'll get to all that um with the specific circumstances of these blown games but just generally it felt like and i mean everybody was talking about this on the old twitter machine um it just he just felt how much garrett whitlock was missed and i think we talked about it last week and we both kind of felt like yeah it's not great but they can get by and then i mean this weekend just kind of threw that right back in our face i mean both of the eighth innings where they blew the games on saturday and sunday would have been spots where garrett whitlock was probably in the game and he's probably not i mean their biggest issue this weekend was just walking everybody walking guys in front of aaron judge walking the nine hitter it was it was just awful control at big spots and Whitlock was clearly missed I mean I guess you can look at it one of two ways you can feel good because they should have Whitlock back for a potential wild card game and then that obviously changes the way that they'll handle the late innings and hopefully we don't have to see Darwin's and Hernandez go up against Giancarlo Stanton things like that um or you can look at it and say if they're this bad if things go this bad with just one reliever down um I mean, that, that obviously doesn't speak well about this bullpen, and it's hard to have confidence in this team in the late innings. I mean, are you... I guess I don't really know what my question is here, but I mean, is... When it seemed like the bullpen was turning around, and like we had said last week, it seemed like they could weather the whitlock storm. Um, was that just facing bad competition in hindsight? Was that... Did we just get fooled? 
I mean, it all just, it comes down to Tanner Houck because we said that they're sort of, they, they're sort of similarly able, one would think, to go as a starter or reliever, be flexible. And he blew it. I mean, there's no other way to say it. He blew it. And it's going to happen sometimes, but it would have been Whitlock in that situation. So the fact that they might get another chance at it with Whitlock in there is helpful. And Tanner Houck is really young. These things happen. But man, that was bad. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't put as much of it on Hoke as you do, although, I mean, the walk, um, I believe it was a two-out walk to Brett Gardner, if I'm remembering things correctly. The whole weekend's kind of jumbling around my brain, but, I mean, that was awful. You can't you can't have that. That was right in front of uh, Aaron Judge. Um, yeah, that's, that's what happened. It was a two-out walk to Brett Gardner, and then he walked Aaron Judge, which I can understand. Everybody walks Aaron Judge. Um but to me, I mean, the swing moment of this game, and this is where I just truly lost my mind, um, bringing Darwins and Hernandez in, uh, Yankees had two on, two out, Anthony Rizzo coming up. I get wanting the lefty-lefty matchup, but Rizzo is a guy who he's not going to chase pitches out of the zone. He's going to make a good amount of contact. I mean, that's just not – he's also not that bad against lefties. Um, it just seems like the worst possible time to use Darwin's and Hernandez, especially with Giancarlo Stanton coming up next. And I mean, I said it even before, um, Rizzo's at bats today, and there's a pretty good chance that he's going to walk him. And then Giancarlo Stanton comes up with the bases loaded, and that's just scary. And obviously, we know what happens. Stanton hits a grand slam to the moon, and that was that. I mean, are you with me, or am I overreacting on how badly I think? Cora botched that decision? I mean, it sounds like, I guess, you are putting more of it on Tanner Houck, and I think I'm putting more of it on the manager, which, um, I mean, typically the person putting it on the player rather than the manager isn't the right, but I don't know. I was just, uh, I was very disheartened uh, by that decision and thought it was awful managing, and I was curious where you came down on that. No, I think it's a, it's a chicken and the egg situation. I mean, well, like, Tanner Houck is the egg, and Alex Cora is the chicken. Um, because Tanner Houck created the thing that grew into a real-life nightmare. But it, the decision is even worse than you were talking about. Um, because, as noted, I was in the car on the way to Foxborough, and they noted correctly that suppose Rizzo was bad against lefties. They had Luke Voigt on the bench. And he could have just come in and done Luke Voigt things. And then, yeah, I mean... Baseball can be very slapstick sometimes. Like first pitch home runs against questionable questionable reliever choices, especially grand slams. And it's like, that is one of just the absolute moonshots I think I've ever seen to that part of the park in Fenway. And uh, I hate that he's on the Yankees because it's so cool. But it never... I mean, they again, they said on the radio, and this is true, this is where the three-batter rule just kills you. And you know it going in, so it's not like it's not like they sprung it on him um, after Rizzo. But I, no, I, I agree that it is equally bad um, as what Houck did 
Uh, I mean, but I think this is a case where two people could have blown it. I think they both blew it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's definitely right. And and I mean, Hernandez blew it too. He he could have simply thrown strikes to Anthony Rizzo, and maybe Rizzo gets a hit, and that's the way the Red Sox lose instead. But um, I mean, I've written this a few times since it happened. I would I would much rather at least make the other team beat you, obviously, than um, walk him. Or I guess technically he hit him with a pitch, but it was on ball four anyways. But um, so yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of people involved, and I hadn't even. Uh, I had kind of forgotten about Luke Voigt in that possibility, and that just makes me even more bad. Um, although we should give I mean, mention that Josh Taylor um, was hurt, and he hadn't been placed on the injured list yet, but he was the following morning, and he seemed like the guy who made the most sense to bring in, and he wasn't an option, but there's still Austin Davis, and there's leaving Helkin, and I mean, there's other, there's other ways to go, but um, what is done is done. Well, the... Um thing is that i will then i could go over to cora being totally um like umbrella more at fault uh because also we talked about how and i'll just be brief the covid outbreak and all it's all the follow-up stuff these are things that leaders of people Maybe could have avoided. Maybe they couldn't have. And this is like trying to prove a negative. But just uh, you, while it's not uh, exactly point A to B, a lack of leadership in this scenario is another reason potentially why Taylor wasn't there to begin with. So it was just a cluster in every sense, in every sense. And it was ended very, (laughs) very badly. Yeah, it did. Uh, it it did end very badly, as did um, as did Sunday's game. Where I mean, this was the game where I truly lost my mind, and you screenshotted. Um, thank you for that. You screenshotted my uh, night on the internet uh, watching Sunday's game unfold. I mean, I I totally melted down, and I'm not ashamed of it. Um, the eighth inning was just, or the bottom of the seventh and top of the eighth was just a tour de force of the worst baseball you've ever seen and from both sides i mean the red sox were able to pull out in front um because the yankees forgot how to catch pop-ups uh on a couple plays in a row uh, which was obviously fortunate and then on the other side the red sox um again got into some trouble with walks um adam Ottavino. i can never say his name right um adam Ottavino issued a couple of walks i believe to uh start his inning, yeah, uh, two walks to start the inning and then a double. Sorry, that was Garrett Richards, not Ottavino. Um, but yeah, so Ottavino came in, um, two men on, two men in scoring position, one out, and all hell broke loose. Um, I guess we'll start. I have it written backwards on our little rundown thing, but uh, we'll go. We'll go with what happened first, and that was a pop up and foul ground, um, first base side. There was room for Dahlbeck to not only catch it, but actually get under it. It landed on the field. Um, but he, we saw it twice this weekend. We've seen it a few times all season. He gets tentative when he's approaching the dugout or he's approaching the wall. And the first one, I believe it was also on Saturday, and a bald eagle just flew outside my window, which is interesting. Um, we saw the first one, I believe, on Sunday earlier in the game. Maybe it was Saturday. And that was on the dugout steps, and I can kind of understand more being tentative there. But the second one on Sunday with Judge at the plate, um, he was just going near the wall, and he didn't 
he like tiptoed and kind of held up and tried to reach out and catch it didn't come far enough i mean i don't know again i don't really know what the question is and i know you don't have the answer but i i just like what is going on there there's got to be some sort of mental block and somebody on the red sox needs to figure that out because you can't have you can't have a first baseman who's not gonna get near the wall on a foul ball because it's i mean we saw it's costly uh, I believe Haim Loom would disagree with you on that. Uh, I mean, it's worth remembering that Bobby Dahlbeck, that by virtue of being a passable third baseman, is a passable first baseman. But he's still a third baseman. <laughs> he's not a first baseman. I know it's a weirdly specialized uh, skill set, but, I mean, we for for every reason possible, we were wondering if they were going to upgrade at first base and they kind of did, but not really in this department either. It's just, I mean, I don't know. He's just young. He's young. That I don't know what to tell you. He's he's making mistakes. Well, so, I mean, I do think, um, I think overall, defensively, he's he's gotten, I think, markedly better as the season's gone on. It's just this one strange thing, and I don't think you can even chalk it up to being new at first base because I mean this happens at third base too you get foul balls at third base it's just on the other side of the diamond and I guess maybe your glove is on that side and maybe that makes it a little different I don't know I feel like I I, I would like somebody to figure this out and it's not going to be me but I feel like at some point whether it be in college or in the minors um I don't remember it happening in the majors he must have like flipped over a wall or like fell down dugout steps or something I mean it looks like it's a mental thing where he gets near i mean it's like when a pitcher gets hit with a line drive and then they're kind of flinching anytime a ball somebody makes contact it's coming back towards them it's sort of a mental block that you need to get over that's the only thing i can think of with Dalbeck there and again i know i know you're not gonna have the answers but uh i said part of this was venting and this is part of the venting yeah i mean if i had the answers that'd be worth a lot of money like that'd be just like hey bobby let's do it I don't suppose he makes a lot of money yet. Anyhow, it's a bummer. And, uh, yeah, speaking of bummers and venting, uh, where I really, truly lost my mind uh, was with Joe West um, immediately after Dahlbeck let that foul ball drop in. Um, Ottavino struck out Aaron Judge. Uh, full stop. Judge tipped the ball into Vasquez's glove, Vasquez caught it, and then when he was transferring the ball back into his hand, um, he dropped it, and they ruled it as a dropped uh, foul tip, so the bat kept going, and replay showed that that was clearly the wrong call. Um, the good news, I guess, is that Joe West is done after the season. Uh, they were talking about that all this week, all weekend. Um, he is retiring after the season, and um, earlier in the day... Pete Abraham had tweeted something about how Joe um, Joe West has always been a good umpire, so I think we should have known at that point that he was going to make some sort of awful call. But um, I mean, to be honest, I'm not even most mad at Joe West. I don't think. I mean, his angle from where he's standing, I think it's probably hard to tell that he was transferring there. Um, but it's just, it's again, I don't even really know that I have a question. But like these, the fact that they have replay and there are just sometimes you can use it and sometimes you can't i mean that i guess i understand that it's 
sort of a judgment call, and you probably want to avoid replay on judgment calls, but I don't know. I mean, something that obvious that changed the game as much as it did, um, because Judge ended up hitting a double after that, um, and then Stanton hit another home run, and I mean, everything kind of everything kind of went awry after that. But I mean, the fact that you can't re- review these obvious mistakes, just it really drives me nuts. The fact that you were more loopy after what I had done all day before and after that Patriots game speaks to the level of insanity at play here. Um, but the NFL here is a place that has done a really this year. They finally, and this is the future of replay. It makes the most sense. They literally just preemptively now, if it's an obvious call and they know where it's headed to replay and they just tell them. So they fix it on the field when it's egregious. And it's so great because the moment passes in an instant because you're like, well, obviously that's wrong. And yes, it's very frustrating to have replay and not be doing that. Yeah, I mean, I I have so many issues with baseball's replay system, and this is just one of them. And again, like we were sort of talking about earlier, it's easy to put this on Dahlbeck for letting that foul ball drop in. It's easy to put it on Joe West and the umpiring system for uh, getting that strikeout call wrong. But um, also Adam Ottavino gave up a laser of a double right after that, like I said, Um, gave the Yankees a lead and then kind of ended the game right after that by giving up another moonshot to Stanton. So um, as much as, as much as I'd like to lay the blame entirely on the feet of other things, um, Ottavino was awful in his outing and i mean that's just that's just part of it like we were saying before the bullpen the bullpen is scary right now okay so as you were talking i've developed an umbrella theory which is a silly theory it's not real but where did Adovino come from i think we know where he came from where did whitlock who's mysteriously absent where did he come from i know he's not mysteriously absent evaldi see what i'm saying here conspiracy it's it's the long it's the long con. I think you uh I think you broke this one. Broke it wide open. Um Okay, yeah, so that's that's enough reliving the weekend. Um The good news, as we've alluded to a few times, um despite how bad this weekend is, despite the fact that they got swept by one of their main uh competitors for a playoff spot, um Red Sox still still looking good for their playoff odds um fangraph still has them i believe opening up right now yeah fangraph still has them as a higher higher playoff odds than the yankees um just a little interesting given where the yankees stand um and just as a side note because i'm just noticing this noticing this the yankees actually have the highest uh probability of winning the world series in the division including over the rays seems insane to me but that I suppose is a topic for another day, uh, but anyways, the Red Sox, yeah, they have a pretty solid chance of getting in. Um, like Brian was saying before, uh, just doing the math out a little bit, the Red Sox really just need to win four games, and they'll be good. Um, they'll at least have a tiebreaker on Monday, um, and that's if the worst case scenario otherwise happens. Um, they are helped tremendously by the fact that the Yankees and Blue Jays play each other. Uh, so no matter what, as long as the Red Sox take two out of three against the Orioles here starting Tuesday, uh, running through Thursday, they'll gain at least one game on either the Yankee or either the Yankees or the Blue Jays. Um, if the Red Sox win five of their last six, they are guaranteed um, 
guaranteed a playoff spot with no tiebreakers or anything. And they are playing the Orioles for three, and then they're playing the Nationals for three, and the Nationals have been uh, one of the worst teams in baseball since the deadline. They kind of stripped things down at the deadline, and now they're just Juan Soto and everybody else um, at this point. I mean, it shouldn't... I don't know. I mean, it shouldn't be much of a challenge for the Red Sox to get it done, and if they if they can't t- win four out of six against the Orioles and Nationals, it kind of it, it, it feels like that's their fault, no matter what anybody else does. You know, uh, Juan Soto right now reminds me of A-Rod in Texas. Just these like ins- absolutely categorically insane numbers just into the void, even more so than Trout, because that's just like the Angels thing, and it's like it's incredible how much they've steered into it, but at least we get to see Soto. I hope he does. He's probably going to walk 15 times and the nationals will lose each game by five runs. Yeah. I mean, there's really no reason for Juan Soto to see a strike um, at any point in that series. The Red Sox would be uh, playing with fire to give him anything to anything to hit. So yeah, I mean, like I said, the Red Sox, they, more or less control their own destiny. If they win two series against bad teams, they're at least in a tiebreaker. And, um, I mean, there's valid consternation about their ability or lack thereof to be a good team, but they have the fifth best record in baseball against, uh, teams with losing records this season. And, that's that's what they have the rest of the way. So they just need to basically do what they've done all season, and then uh, and then it's whatever happens after that happens. And we got a question along those lines um, from Rob Manfrod. Get it? Um, Rob Manfrod says uh, since July 29th, uh, the Red Sox are six and 21 against teams with a positive run differential. If they win the wild card game, can they be expected to play competitive baseball in a series against a true World Series contender like the Rays? Hell yeah! If they hit, they could beat anybody. Like that's they're not. We forget and we have forgotten because it's been patchy. But if they are all hitting, they can beat anybody. So yes, absolutely, they can. They just got to make it. That's the heart. It's attrition. They got to make it. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably not... My answer probably wouldn't have been as maybe enthusiastic as I think yours was, but um, look, I mean, they're going to be... If they do win the wild card game and they do go on to play uh, the Rays, and I think the Rays have clinched the top seed in the AL. If they haven't yet, then, I mean, they're going to. Whoever wins the wild card game will play Tampa Bay. The Red Sox are obviously going to be underdogs i mean they're gonna be underdogs no matter who they played they should be and that's that's fine i mean i don't know i i guess i can't be too angry if they lose to the race the rays are just and i was a little bit lower on the rays than i should have been coming into the year they're clearly the better team than the red sox and like you said that's not to say the red sox can't win it's playoff baseball strange things happen uh the red sox have a great lineup they have chris sale they have nathan avaldi i mean cr- much crazier things have happened um but they will be underdogs it's, it's it's just the way it is yeah which makes it more fun if they win and less disappointing if they lose it's kind of dream scenario you just got to get there you don't make it Somebody I know 
he runs a um, he's the the uh, manager of a local sports blog said he doesn't want anyone talking about 2011 this week so let's not talk about that well that was that was not in reference to the Red Sox that was just in reference to talking about it in general because it's the uh, it's the 10th anniversary so every baseball website has some sort of article reliving that day and I just am not not a fan but um, no I mean I don't think I've seen anybody actually this year they might reverse it let's do the opposite let's be the team that makes it yeah I mean I think I would prefer to just not have to care about anything on the last day of the season I think that would be the best case scenario but sure I'll be down for them being on the other side of a 2011 type deal um all right few other things i wanted to get to before we close this one out um we haven't talked a whole lot about playoff roster and really i don't think there's a ton of mystery there i mean their roster essentially is what it is at this point um i guess the only real question is if whitlock and taylor will be healthy enough by that point and more importantly whitlock and i think every expectation is that he will be um i think the one maybe interesting question would be regarding jose iglesias's roster spot um iglesias is not eligible for the postseason because he was acquired in september um what do you think they do with that spot are they gonna bring up another bat um speed guy i mean i think jaron duran uh, would obviously fit that role or do you think they um keep an extra pitcher on the roster doubt they're gonna change horses uh change horses in midstream here i mean i think they're probably gonna do a pitcher i have said all along that this is one of the situational baseball is a great place to have duran so i would love them to do that that to me would show a flexibility that they've been lacking this year and you get to see now whether that is just the ethos of the team or that was a regular season thing um see how it it's just this team seems pretty stubborn, so I would guess they've done what they've done all year. Yeah, I actually I disagree. I, I'm I think it's going to be Duran. I would be surprised if it wasn't Duran. Um, I mean, this is just part of playoff how playoff baseball works. Is speedsters get their spot. We saw. Um, I mean, Terrence Gore was on like three straight pennant winning teams or something like that, and his whole deal was just staying in AAA until. Uh, the playoffs and then he would come up and be the speed guy I think um, especially with the rotation shortening in the playoffs and you're not really using as many relievers I mean you don't need to use Martin Perez Martin Perez probably shouldn't even be in the roster you don't need to use all these guys um, I think it'll be Duran I think that speed element is is something that they're certainly missing and um, yeah I, I, I think I would be surprised if it wasn't Duran Good. I hope you're right. <laughs> Me too. Um, I had a couple of uh, early off-season questions, um, just because there's not a whole lot else to talk about. Um, and obviously, we'll have more time to think about the stuff after the season, but just some stuff that's been creeping up now. Uh, starting with the DH slash left field. Um, can Schwarber and Martinez work on the same roster? Is there, like, do you see a viable way that would be able to work having both of them come back next season is schwarber already coming back 
Schwarber, um, Schwarber has a mutual option, which essentially means that he will be a free agent. Yeah, then I just think he becomes just like every other player. And uh, if the price is right, they'll do it. I mean, the trade price was obviously right. And that was the def- seemed to be the defining factor in why they got him. So I think they're way more about you just identify what you want and then you wait for the price to be right and you strike. So I, I don't think that they would be... Um, I think it kind of has nothing to do with even how he plays. I think it's just about how much he costs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely part of it. But I think, I don't know, I I see everybody calling to bring Schwarber back, and I certainly would not complain. I think he is obviously a great hitter, and I like watching him hit. Um, I mean, I think you have to be comfortable playing him in left field every day, um, which, A, probably means that you're trading one of Verdugo or Renfro, which again, I can live with it. Um, and it also, I, I mean, I think it mostly means that you're going to have to be dealing with Schwarber or Martinez in the field every day. I don't know that that's a great plan. Um, honestly, I think I could probably talk myself into it though. Um, just with the idea that you're trade. I mean, I, I, I don't, think it works without trading one of Verdugo and Renfro. Um, so I suppose it depends what you could get uh, for one of those guys. And I think if you I think if you could get a good starting pitcher for one of them and then roll with the other one, Schwarber and Hernandez slash Duran um, in the outfield, I think I could probably live with that. But I still, I don't know, I think people clamoring for Schwarber to come back um, – should probably think about the fit a little bit more because it's still a little wonky. I think they just want him to be good now. So they're just imagining him being good. I'm like, oh man, that would be awesome. So let's do it next year. But I agree with you. Like I, again, I think it would only happen if, if the, if the pieces fit together uh, in the way you described at the end there in just such a way that it made sense. Um, but I am. I, I don't need it. I think it's fine. I mean, if this year proved anything, you could just go get someone like him again um, at three fifty nine on the day of the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, and the other off season question that um, I think people have been talking about a little bit more. Um, is Christian Vasquez. Christian Vasquez has a team option for next season. Um, he has not been great this year. Um, he's been a little hot and cold. Do you think? Do you think they should, and do you think they will bring him back? Just an early prediction. I don't have a prediction, but it does seem like there's an actual. You know, up until this year, for years, it it he's sort of been the heartbeat of the team in a way, and it does not feel like that is the case uh, right now. And it seems like there's some not great feelings. Just I'm just basing this on comments uh, that he just stuff he said, and I just no longer think it's absolutely going to happen. I think it's possible that. It doesn't. Um, I really don't know. I I kind of just 
I look at the team and I am like sort of a mercenary operation. So we'll see what the money comes down to. Yeah. Um, and I mean, just in terms of the, in terms of the comments, um, I don't know, you probably missed it because you were gone all weekend, but I think somebody did actually ask him about it this weekend and he did say, uh, he would like to stay. I don't, really necessarily put a whole lot into comments like that because what else are you going to say when a reporter asks you that question but um i i I don't think there's any hard feelings i think it's more just about the player and i'll be honest i've been extremely disappointed in christian vasquez the hitter this year i was very high on him coming in i had totally bought into the last two years um and he's just not hitting the ball hard at all this year and he is back to uh just being a glove first catcher um but the thing is it's so hard to find catching his option, I believe, is for $7 million next year. I think that's a price where you can just live with it. Um, I think in an ideal world, they probably would have liked uh, to feel more confident that they can lean on Connor Wong and maybe bring in a veteran backup with him and be able to roll with that. But I don't think Connor Wong has done enough this year. He's been okay, but he hasn't been like great. Um, so I kind of feel like the easy road is just bring back Vasquez for another year and then probably figure something out else out after that. But um, yeah, I, I do think that'll be one of the most interesting storylines of the season or off season. Um, you sort of sold me there on a bridge year to like implicitly to work on it. I thought I had seen something about him talking about. Not be there being friction, but just talking about struggling and acknowledging that things were kind of weird. And, you know, that is the one thing about Vasquez is that he's uh, like like the drummer. He's like, seems like he was the drummer of the team. I'm just not feeling that right now. And I suspect he could get it back. But um, again, uh, I, I do agree with you, though, that such as the, if he wants to be back and we could take those comments at face value, but, um, or just put them to the side, but he's, you know, it just be very status quo in a good way. I think for a team that is sort of just slow building, uh, it's not going to set them back to, to bring him back. And, you know, maybe, maybe he pops back into, all-star type Christian Vasquez form. I doubt it, but maybe. Yeah, I mean, any other position I would probably feel differently, but, I mean, it's so much easier said than done to find a catcher. I mean, it's easier to say I want to find somebody better than Christian Vasquez, but um, I don't know who that is and what you're paying to get him and all that. Um, All right, last thing before we go, and the last time we do this, because next Tuesday is the wild card game. How are things going to shake out? Who are the two wildcard teams? Who is hosting? What do you got? It's going to be very boring and say the Yankees and Red Sox. Who's where? We're definitely in New York. Impo. If the Yankees make it, they're going to have to beat Toronto. If they beat Toronto, I mean, yeah, it just puts wins on the board. So I'll take the Yankees. I'm going to go, and this is probably more because it's what I want to see or what I prefer to see. Um, I'm going to go Blue Jays coming to Fenway. I think uh, I think the Blue Jays are going to take at least two out of three. 
uh, this weekend, and then they play the Orioles last, where the Yankees have to play the Rays. Um, and while the Rays already clinched, they have enough depth where I think that's still a scary matchup, even if they're playing some backups. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Red Sox. Our Red Sox hosting the Blue Jays next Tuesday. Yeah, certainly that would kick ass at least until the game began, and then it came terrifying. But... Be much more palatable to lose to uh, lose to Toronto than New York. All right, uh, that is going to do it for today's show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if it is applicable, please leave a rating and a review. Uh, that is supposed to be helpful. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Brian is at Brian Joiner. Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. And you can read all of our writing at OverTheMonster.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back. I don't know if we'll be back. We, us two specifically will be back next week, but, uh, there will be something for your earballs next week.